This is Melissa Montilla. Welcome to Wellness from Within. Episode 2 How to Have a Home Practice. It's common for a student, even one who may also be a teacher, to confide in me that they do not have a home practice. And this breaks my heart a bit for a few reasons. First of all, they often sound ashamed of themselves, which in my experience is a sure way to make it even less likely that that practice will ever happen. Also, the practice of yoga asana or movement was intended to be done independently as part of a regular routine, like brushing your teeth. Um, The idea of a studio is a very new idea. And then lastly, it's just a lovely way to feed your curiosity and explore movement on your own terms. Now, before we get into the thick of it, I need to offer a couple points of transparency. First, my job is dependent on you showing up to class. And also, no studio or teacher can be there every moment of every day, even though some schedules put forth a tremendous effort. It can be incredibly interesting and challenging to learn in class and then explore those ideas in your own way. The body at home is a lot less guarded than the body in public, so it's different. It's a completely different experience. All right, another another row of numbers here. Second, I'm speaking as a person who has a fully outfitted yoga studio in her backyard for the past 10 years. Having a separate space is a phenomenal luxury. It kind of creates a boundary um, where both I and the space share this very specific purpose when I'm in there. However, for my first 20 years of practice, uh, I would practice just about anywhere a mat would fit and sometimes in even less space than that. Mostly I was in a sliver of the bedroom I was also in the living room, dodging pets and bearing the weight of a toddler who would like to throw herself at me. I've practiced with TVs blaring, mosquitoes and bugs on the patio. I even practiced once early morning on a dirty disco floor when the space was empty. Don't ask. I've practiced on boats, in airports, and even in flight until yoga was banned on planes, which I'm going to tell you is a real bummer on the long ones. Often, the conditions are not ideal, but dealing with less than ideal conditions is kind of the whole point of practice. So if you are certain that squeezing your practice between the bed and the wall while a a housemate has CNN blaring from another room, this podcast is not for you. (laughs) And I completely understand. So go ahead and skip to the guided meditation download and I'll see you in class. However, if your curiosity is keeping you here, grab a notepad and a pen or pencil And let's work out how to craft a yoga practice. The first 
in-class instruction I ever received on how to have a home practice was from David Swenson. On many occasions, I heard him answer the inevitable, how do I do this at home question by saying, unroll your mat, get on it, and see what happens. That's definitely the first step, but I would like to offer you a few more tools to help you stay on the mat and feel creatively empowered to explore. So once you unroll your mat and get on it, the next thing to do is to check in with yourself. Now this is without judgment or attachment to whether the outcome feels positive or negative. I do this every time I practice and before every class I teach. I need to know how I'm doing in order to take care of myself effectively. So it goes something like this. All right, time for check-in. Melissa, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay today. All right. Feeling a little tired. Didn't sleep last night. Okay. And then I know. I know where I'm at. It's my baseline. The next thing to acknowledge is your context. And to give yourself permission to not get involved with it. Dirty dishes can easily foil a well-intentioned practice and know that phones are going to ring. (laughs) If you don't live alone, you will be interrupted maybe multiple times. (laughs) And all of that is okay as you allow yourself the time no matter what happens. Let the interruption pass through you. Now the tool that makes the last bit possible is to stick to the task at hand. This seemingly mundane action is essentially my mantra for liberation. (laughs) I try to keep my focus on what I'm doing in any given moment, particularly when I'm practicing. When I'm consumed by triangle pose, it's a lot easier to save the dishes or the phone for later. So some people just like to get on the mat and start moving, see what happens, and and that can be great, but it's just one way to do this. I tend to be much more deliberate, just goes with my personality. So for those of you who would like a recipe here are a couple different ways to start. If there is something specific, like a pose or a range of motion you would like to work on, Peak pose sequencing is a classic way to get heading in the right direction. So we'll start with that. This begins with a centering, right? It's kind of your check-in bit. And I usually continue and add to that, um, awakening my breath, some wiggling around, uh, gentle movement of my joints. Then there's the general warm-up. In the general warm-up, You start with bigger, looser movements that work with large muscles or groups of muscles. Tabletop, cat-cow, up-downs, utkatasanas, all work well here. Next, get into the targeted warm-up. This is where you decide what you're going to work on, if you didn't already. So for example, if it's handstand, Being able to vigorously reach your arms overhead while standing on your feet is a great place to start. This is where we get to emphasize the parts of the bigger picture. 
Finally, you'll get to your peak pose or peak idea. Um, Maybe it's peak strength or peak range of motion, uh, whatever it is you've been building towards or working on from that targeted warm-up. This is where the preparation comes together. And when you feel satisfied with the exploration, it's time to cool down. I highly recommend just going back to the breathing and wiggling. It doesn't have to be fancy. It's basically pre-shavasana centering. A lot of times people like to do really harsh counter poses to whatever pose was just done. That is most likely going to be less effective than gently moving your body uh, towards a more neutral direction. Of course, the Shavasana is the best part, (laughs) uh, the final relaxation, and this is the time when you get to do nothing. So here's my deal with my private clients uh, when I give them practices at home. I let them know that if nothing else can happen, they should do the Shavasana. So if you unroll that mat and decide nothing else is going to happen, the most effective thing you can do is put on a timer for 15 minutes, hopefully. If you have five, five is fine. And do Shavasana. Now, if that all feels like way too much thought or time, here's a much more direct way of sequencing movement. First, open the sides. You can do that with twists, side bends, or even just reaching the arms up. Then open the front. Back bends, lunges, and most standing poses open some part of the front. Invert, which by the way counts as any movement that has the head below the heart. And forward bend, which might be a part of your inversion. A lot of those go together. Basically, just move the spine in every direction. Breathe, wiggle. And of course, never leave out Shavasana. All of this takes practice, and practice begins in awkward messiness. You will very likely pick up the phone (laughs) or just completely skip forward bends, Um, but none of that really matters. In the big picture, David was right. Just unroll your mat and see what happens. This guided meditation is about allowing things to pass through you. It's inspired by a conversation between Terry Gross from Fresh Air and the composer John Cage. She asked him how, as a meditator, he works to block things out. And he responded, it's not about what you can block out, but what you can take in and allow to pass through you. I felt like this is one of the most important things that I've heard ever. (laughs) Um, So I wrote this meditation for John Cage. Okay, get comfortable. You can lay down. It's nice to have your head supported or sit comfortably. Um, And we'll get started. Find your breath. Notice its rhythm. 
how it slides in and out. Does it pause or hold? Invite it to become constant, the way waves in summer gently overlap, always moistening the sand. No retention, no grip, just a fluid ebbing in and out. Now notice the noises around you. It's softly raining outside as I record this. And with every cell of your body, hear those sounds and allow them to pass through you. No judgment, no entanglement, just a fluid continuation. Sense any stagnation in your body. You can find it with the breath. Look for it in places where you least expect it. Then ask it to dissolve. Give your body permission to be as soft as water. Now allow yourself to feel everything. Everything you have held and hidden and everything you have yet to face. Give yourself permission to feel everything and then give those feelings permission to pass through you. They can be present without clinging, holding, or limiting you. You are like a powerful river. There may be eddies and dams, both natural and man-made, but ultimately you will carve your way to the sea. Bring some gentle movement into your body. Deepen your breath. And blink your eyes open. Thank you for joining me to explore wellness from within.